Praise Jesus. Father, I want to thank you so much, Lord, for this overwhelming privilege that I have of representing you today and ministering your incredible word to your precious people. But just as this is a wonderful honor, Father, the responsibility weighs heavily on me. Father, I know that apart from you, I can do nothing. I was nothing when I found you, Lord. I know where I was. I know that everything I am is your grace. And I know there's nothing I cannot do through you. And so, Lord, today I humble myself. I bind all pride, all self-promotion, all self-agenda. Lord, in the words of John, I become less, Lord, so you can become more. Lord, use me. Speak through me by your Spirit. Let it not be words of knowledge, but words of power, words of revelation, words of life, Spirit and life, Lord. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. If you agree, say amen. amen. We are teaching on a very important, I'll say that, but very spiritually deep subject. How many of you have been following the Monsters in Me, part one, two, three? Wave at me. How many of you can agree that that's going a bit deep? Amen? You've been kind of dipping your toes in the water, going ankle deep. Today we're going knee deep. Okay? 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, New Living Translation. I'm just going to paraphrase it. When I tell you these things today, I'm not using words and knowledge that comes from my human wisdom. Instead, I'm going to speak to you words that have been given to me by the Spirit of God. I'm going to be using spiritual words to explain spiritual truths. But... If you're not spiritual, you're not going to receive these spiritual truths from God's Spirit. It's going to sound foolish to you. You're not going to be able to understand it. Well, today, it's only those who are spiritual who are going to understand what the Spirit means. So today, we're going to go a little bit deeper than we usually do. And... Um, there's a lot that you're going to catch as Logos. Okay, wow, that's interesting. But there's Rhema in you. There's revelation in you. And I'm going to encourage you to listen to this message over and over. There's a lot in here that you need to hear. Amen. Say this. Say, Lord, I declare my spiritual ears are open and my heart is receptive to only that which your spirit is saying today. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me in Jesus' name. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 3 in the New King James Version, referring to the Israelites that followed Moses out of Egypt. It says they all ate, say ate, 
the same spiritual food, say spiritual food, and all drank, say drank, the same spiritual drink, say spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, I want you to understand something that the scriptures are very intentional. The Bible's not a book of cliches, not a book of clever, meaningless phrases. The words used are very deliberate, very purposeful. So I want you to understand something. There is a spiritual food. And I want you to know there is a spiritual drink. Now, this is not referring to the manna that fell on the children of Israel. The spiritual food was coming from the spirit realm, the spiritual crust. Do you understand that? The spiritual food and the spiritual drink was coming from the spiritual rock, the spiritual Christ. It was coming from the realm of the spirit. Jeremiah 3 verse 15, the King James Version said, I will give you pastors according to my heart who shall feed you, say feed, feed you with knowledge and understanding. So the spiritual food and drink can grow us in spiritual knowledge and spiritual understanding. Hebrews 5 verse 12, the New Living Translation, you have been believers for so long now that you should be teaching others. Bible college students. Pasop. You should be teaching others. How many of you can say amen? No excuses. You should be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you. What? Again, the basic things about God's Word. We've got to move past the basics. Amen? The basics are very important. But you are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. This is spiritual food and spiritual drink. The Word of God. For someone who just lives on the milk of the Word and is not growing still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. But those who feed off the solid food, the Word of God, who are mature, they've been fed, they've been training, and they have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. It amazes me how many Christians still don't understand the fundamental difference between right and wrong. Can I have a big amen? amen? Tell your neighbor, grow up. So here we see that the spiritual food and spiritual drink, it's what nourishes feeds, strengthens our spirit, not our natural body. This is what nourishes and feeds and strengthens our spirit. 
This happens through the increasing of the presence of the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ in you. I'm going to say that again. This happens through the increasing, say increasing, of the presence, say presence, of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3 verse 6 and Amplified. May He grant you, out of the rich treasury of His glory, to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power, where? In your inner man, your spirit. How do we get strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in our spirit? By the Holy Spirit Himself indwelling, say indwelling, your innermost being and personality. May Christ through faith actually, say actually, dwell, say dwell, settle down, say settle down, abide, say abide, and say make permanent home. Tell your neighbor, permanent. In your hearts. Verse 19 says, So that you may be filled through all your being unto the fullness of God, that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become, say become, say process, a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Wow. This is God's will for you and me. The Holy Spirit that strengthens and reinforces you with mighty power in your spirit. And this mighty power of the Holy Spirit is directly proportional to Him settling down. This mighty power is directly proportional to Him making a permanent home in your spirit. You have a measure of the Holy Spirit when you were born again unto salvation. But in order to experience God's miraculous power in your everyday life, you need to have the source of this miraculous power, which is the Holy Spirit, increasing in you to the fullness of God, the richest measure of His presence. You can only have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, making a permanent home in you, and having His presence and His mighty power if you create a home that is habitual for the Spirit of God. 
you have to create a home that is not hostile to the Holy Spirit. Amen? The measure of your success in life through the mighty power of the source of everything you will ever need is determined by the measure of the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. The measure of your failure in this life and your failure to function in the Spirit and the miraculous, that measure is determined by the measure of the void of the Spirit of God in your life. You need to understand something, and I haven't got time to go into this. You'll have to listen to the previous teachings where I've proved it to you through the Word of God. But because of the spiritual laws instituted by the sovereign God, He will never break His laws. And for the spirit realm to function in the natural realm, there has to be permission granted by those who have dominion in the natural realm. The miraculous power of the Spirit of God can only work in and through people. Why else would He want to fill you with the mighty power if not to work through you? You carry on reading that scripture, you will understand. But I need you to understand that in order for you to function in the miraculous you need to have the fullness of the Spirit of God. Romans 8 verse 5, the NIV. For those who live according to their flesh, set their minds, say set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Wow. For to have your mind set on the things of the flesh is death. But to have your mind set on the things of the Spirit is life and peace. Because the fleshy carnal mind is an enemy against God. It's not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. So those who are not having their mind set upon the things of the Spirit, but rather in the flesh, you can't please God. But you, Christ and Council Ministries, and those visiting, you're not in the flesh. Amen? But in the Spirit, if the Spirit dwells in you. How many of you can say amen? amen? Family, in your life, you're going to be constantly and daily presented with options, 
choices. Whether or not you're going to feed, build up the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. You're going to have choices whether you're going to reinforce, strengthen the mighty power, and to create an environment for the Spirit of God to abide in you. Or you're going to have choices where you are going to choose to be an enemy of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to follow the Spirit of God. You're going to follow your carnal, fleshy mind. Your ungodly, earthy desires following them. The more you feed your carnal and earthy desires, the more you engage in things that are not godly, the more you will move away from peace. Amen? You see that from that scripture. Spiritually minded is life and peace. The more you move away from your mindsets on the things of the Spirit, the more you move away from peace, the more the Holy Spirit will lift His hand off your life, the closer you move towards destruction. That's what the Scripture says. Because the Holy Spirit is not controlling your life. He's not leading you. You are being led by your fleshy and carnal desires. That's not being led by the Spirit. Amen? You can only walk in the, in the abundance and in the blessings of God in obedience. Amen? You have to understand something. Consider you having a spiritual battery. And that spiritual battery in order to function, it needs to be charged. The more you spend time feeding the Spirit in you, because remember, the Spirit of God reinforces your spirit so that you can start becoming filled to a measure. What measure is your battery? And when this spiritual battery is at full capacity, you function in the miraculous naturally. It becomes normal. I'll give you an example. We went, to, um, we went away a couple of weeks ago for um, our birthday and um, our anniversary. And I really wanted to take my wife to a restaurant, very uh, special restaurant, and we got there, and I contacted the restaurant. We were supposed to go the next day. And I said, I would like to make a booking, book a table. And, uh, and they said, sorry, sir, we are fully booked. I said, oh, okay. Can you put me on the waiting list? They said, well, we've got eight other tables on the waiting list. So I said, okay, thank you very much. And we put the phone down. And, and I, I drew on the mighty power that was available to me, and I prayed. I said, Lord, I would really like to take my wife to this restaurant. And so I prayed, and I asked the Lord. A short while later, I get an SMS. Your booking's confirmed. Okay, that's quite nice. So the next day, we, we had someone that collected us and takes us there, and he said, okay, you're going to Emily Moon? He said, wow, you know. He said, yeah, we, there's people that, that, that uh, uh, you must have made the booking long ago, you know, because there's, this, this, there's people 
that he knows that have for two months been phoning every day to get a table in this restaurant. And um, you see, because my battery's full. Amen? I live from the source of mighty power. Amen? So I want you to hear this now. We're going to start going a little bit deeper now. If you are living like the rest of the world, following your, the lusts of your flesh, your carnal desires, just kind of doing whatever you think you want to do, and your mind is not set on the Spirit of God and following Him, you are in disobedience to God, and you are obeying the devil. Ephesians 2 verse 2, the NIV. Once you were dead, because of your disobedience and many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. How? Obeying the devil. Say this. When I live in disobedience and live in sin, I'm obeying the devil. Amen? Told you guys, we're just starting. So buckle up. Obeying the devil, living in disobedience to what? The scriptures. Living in sin, like looking like the rest of the world, is obeying the devil. He is the commander of the powers in the unseen realm that is driving this whole world in the sin that it's in. He is the spirit at work, say at work. Where is the, the spirit of the Antichrist at work? In the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Wow. And he elaborates a little bit. Okay, what classification is it? Where are these demonic spirits at work? We all used to live like that. Following what? Following the passionate desires, and the inclinations of our sinful nature, following the flesh. The symptomatic, now listen to me. The symptomatic diagnosis, if you want to diagnose where there is demonic powers at work, where there is Someone being actively influenced by demonic spirits, it is someone who refuses to obey God through the Scriptures. And by default, as you have seen, it is obeying the devil. If you, there's no middle ground, there's no on the fence, it's someone following the rest of the world, living in sin. Following their passions, following their desires, their emotions, their flesh. They're not following the Spirit of God. Their mind is not set on the things of the Spirit. Your mind is not set on pleasing God. Your mind is set on pleasing you. 
when you come across a situation, before you do it, apply wisdom. Is this pleasing to God? Is this obeying God? Or is this coming into agreement with the kingdom of darkness? Now, the very strategic reason why the devil entices people through temptation to live in sin, to follow their desires and their emotions is to bring death. That's what the scripture says. Do you see that? It's to bring death. Being in disobedience and living in sin, it will bring destruction. There will be consequences. Unless you repent, ask for forgiveness. You have to understand something, family. I told you this before. Temptation is a death trap. It's a setup, man. Seriously. Temptation, it's a set up, man. It's a trap. It opens the door. There are consequences. It opens the door to demonic spirits to influence in those areas. You are obeying the devil. You are giving place to demonic spirits to be at work in those areas. You have relinquished control. You have relinquished self-control through disobedience to God. Any area in your life where you lack self-control, it's usually demonic. If you're not controlling yourself, something else is. Bottom line. Amen? Family, God created man, how? In his image. In his likeness. Why? To rule, to reign, to subdue the earth, to have dominion. Not to be dominated by emotions and habits. That's not godly. That's not God's design. That's not the fruit of the Spirit of Christ, which is to rule and reign. The fruit of the Spirit, if you have the Spirit in you, Galatians 5 verse 22, and you feed the Spirit, it says, but the fruit, the fruit that appears of the Holy Spirit, how? Through the results of His presence, His abiding presence within us is what? Love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not just the ability to wait, but how do you act while you're waiting? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. What holds it all together? Self-control. Now, I want you to understand something here. Just as the evidence of the Spirit of Christ functioning in us is evident in what we can classify as the emotional realm. Can you see that? That's not like the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit is having six churches, you know, 
Um, five outreaches. No, what's the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Love. Wow, okay. Joy, peace, patience. Just like the fruit of the Spirit of Christ in you is evidence in the emotional realm, so is the opposing spirit at work evident in the same areas. Wherever there is an opposing symptom in that category, that's not the Spirit of Christ working there. Amen? Am I going too deep for you guys? You all okay? And I consider the main fruit, my personal opinion, and evidence of the Holy Spirit is self-control. Because I've learned and I know and I've seen that if self is not controlling, then there's something other than self-controlling. It's not godly. Amen? Now, the spiritual significance of eating and drinking, particularly spiritual food and spiritual drink, is very important. Very, very important. As I said, the wording in Scripture is very deliberate. Very purposeful. John 6, verse 53, the New King James Version. Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Say spiritual food, spiritual drink. Jesus explains what He's referring to in spiritual food and drink, in John 6, verse 63, the New King James Version. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. So spiritual food, spiritual drink. So Jesus is saying yeah, the words he speaks, which is now the written word, the Holy Scriptures, is his flesh. It is his blood. Jesus Christ is the word. John 1 verse 1 amplified. In the beginning, before all time, was the word Christ. And the word Christ was with God. And the word Christ was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. Verse 14 says, the word Christ became flesh and lived amongst us. You ready to go deeper? Only two of you. Okay, I'll dismiss the rest of you. The two of you can stay. Are you buckled in? I want to show you an example of spiritual food in the realm of the Spirit in the book of Ezekiel. Where in the Spirit, God fed Ezekiel with spiritual food to empower him naturally. So spiritual law. Ezekiel 3 verse 1, the New King James Version. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, eat. Say eat. Eat what you find. Eat this scroll. And go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat the scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed, say feed. Feed. 
Feed your belly and fill your stomach, say stomach, with a scroll. So I ate, and it was like, in my mouth, honey and sweetness. So through God commanding the prophet Ezekiel to eat in the spirit realm, filling his stomach with the spiritual food, God was able to impart, say impart, spiritual gifts into the prophet Ezekiel so that he could carry out his assignment empowered by the spiritual implantation of eating spiritual things. The dream realm is also the realm of the spirit. It's a spiritual law. We're still going to learn on this. But the dream realm is the realm of the spirit. And just like we see with Ezekiel here, the dream realm is a spiritual gateway. It's a spiritual portal. This gives direct access from the supernatural into the natural. And the kingdom of darkness uses this to staggering effect and devastating effect. Because in the dreams, the demonic inserts, implants, feeds people. They masquerade as people we know, relatives. But if you're eating and drinking in your dreams, I want to tell you, you need deliverance. That's a very strong indication of a kingdom at work. What we feed on becomes our God. Say that. What I feed on becomes my God. You see, if you feed on the things of the Spirit, with your mind set on the Spirit through prayer, Intimacy with God, serving in the body, studying the Word of God, daily praying in tongues, with your mind set on the Spirit. You build up the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're feeding the Spirit and you're being fed by the Spirit. And He starts to increase the fruits of His presence in your life. But if you feed on the things of this world, ungodly entertainment, ungodly company, disobeying scriptures, living in sin, you are feeding the demonic. And you are empowering them to be your gods. Because what you feed is your God. Philippians 3 verse 19, the Amplified whose fate is destruction, whose God is their belly, their worldly appetite, their sensuality, their vanity. The spiritual realm feeds off offerings or sacrifices we give to the spiritual realm.
The Israelites in the Old Testament had to bring offerings and sacrifices continually. Right through the Old Testament, continually. Offerings, sacrifices. Why? Why did they have to do this? Because it's spiritual law. It creates spiritual agreement. It's a spiritual transaction. It's a transaction between the natural and the supernatural. It gives the spirit realm access into the natural realm. Sacrifices and offerings is spiritual currency. Say that. Sacrifices and offerings a spiritual currency. Yan of almost. You wanted this. For God's intervention and even for the forgiveness of sins. You know that the Israelites had to, to bring offerings all the time, even for for their sins. That there had to be sacrifices. For their sins. In order for the forgiveness of sin through the spiritual realm, there had to be spiritual currency. There had to be a sacrifice. They used to bring food offerings. In order for the spirit realm to function in their harvests, they had to bring food offerings. In order for their financial well being, they had to bring financial offerings. It's spiritual transactions. And this is, a, this is a spiritual law that's followed by God's kingdom, the spiritual uh, kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. God does not work off different rules. I explained it in the last teaching. We're not going to go into this now. Numbers 28 verse 3. Say to them, this is the food offering. Say food offering. You are to present to the Lord two lambs a year without defect. That's the representation of Christ. As a regular burnt offering each day. Say each day. Offer one lamb in the morning and another one at twilight. Together with a grain offering of a tenth of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with a quarter of a hen of oil from pressed olives. This is a regular burnt offering instituted at Mount Sinai as a pleasing aroma, a food offering presented to the Lord. The accompanying drink offering is to be a quarter of a hen of fermented drink with each lamb. Pour out the drink offering to the Lord in, this, in the, the sanctuary. Now when Jesus Christ came and he was the final sacrifice... From that point onwards, we never needed to make any sacrificial offerings. Amen? For the transaction to pay for your sin, the Bible said Jesus was ransomed. He ransomed his life for you. Now, we must never diminish the power of, and the spiritual significance of sacrificial offerings, food and drink and animal sacrifice. If Jesus hadn't died on that cross, 
2,000 years ago, we would still be making those sacrifices today. Do you understand that? It hasn't lost power. Amen? So we must never diminish the power behind sacrificial food, drink, animal sacrifices. This is still a very powerful way that the natural interacts with the supernatural. It's spiritual laws. Now, our sacrifices are necessary. Just like those sacrifices were necessary daily. Your daily sacrifice is necessary. You don't have to burn things and offer things. Your sacrifice is your sacrifice of worship. Your sacrifice of living a holy life. Your sacrifice of reading the word. That is building up. It's spiritual transactions. Amen? When you see people functioning in power, you know that they have been making sacrifices. Amen? Now, the kingdom of darkness still uses this very much. That spiritual law, like we would still be doing it today, the same spiritual law, interaction with the, with the, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness still uses it today all the time. It doesn't matter how traditional it looks. It doesn't matter how cultural it looks. If there are sacrifices, there are drink offerings, if there are food offerings, it is extremely powerful. Amen? And today there are still many traditions. Listen, the satanic realm uses this extensively. It's all about sacrifice. And I want you to know, it doesn't matter if you think it is traditional. It doesn't matter if you think it's innocent. It doesn't matter if you think it's acceptable. Any form of food offerings, we see that with many Eastern religions and that, right? Food offerings, money offerings, drink offerings. It is worshipping devils. It is devil worship. You're not consulting with your Omar or your Opa. It's Dimwena. Amen? 1 Corinthians 10 verse 19, the New Living Translation. What am I trying to say to you? What am I trying to say to you? Am I saying that food offer, offering uh, to idols has some significance to us? No. Or that idols are real gods in the face of our God? No, not at all. But I am saying that these sacrifices that are offered are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to participate with demons. Family, the spiritual realm feeds off the sacrifices and offerings made by the natural world. It empowers them. 
both God's kingdom, all the kingdom of darkness, the sacrificial offerings empowers the kingdom. It's all dependent. What kingdom are you feeding? What kingdom are you feeding on? Say this, spirits feed. Ezekiel 16 verse 20, the New King James Version. Moreover, you took your sons and your daughters who you brought to me, and these you sacrificed to them, demons, to be devoured. That word devoured is the word alkal. That means to eat. That means to dine. That means to consume as food. The NIV says this, and you took your sons and daughters who you born to me and sacrificed them as food to the idols. Food, literally. So how does this work? Well, the devil hasn't changed his strategies much although he has evolved tremendously in executing them. Now, I want to show you, again, the significance. It's not a coincidence. Say spiritual food. Genesis 3, verse 1, the New King James Version. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to him, and God has indeed said, you shall not eat, say eat, that's the same word used with the demons eating the sacrifice. Same word, akal. You shall not eat of every tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat, say eat, the fruits of the trees of the garden, but of the fruits of the tree in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, say eat, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. It's okay. For God knows that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. I think that hasn't worked out very well. So when the woman saw, say saw, the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant, say pleasant, to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate, say ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate, say ate. Family, it's no coincidence that the interaction here between the supernatural and the natural is through and related to eating the food that the devil is proposing. And we see there how the devil twists the word, saying, does it really mean that? Do you really need to repent? Is sin really that bad? It's not going to kill you. <laughs> and then Adam and Eve, following their emotions and their desires, not obeying God now, focusing only on what they can see in the natural, fell into the trap of temptation, the ultimate death trap. And the moment that they did, Satan hijacked the earth from them, their dominion. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, New Living Translation. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe, 
you don't realize it and you don't see it and you don't believe it, it's blunt. Amen? This is not the world that God created for humanity, nor is it the world he wants. We see again when Satan attacked Jesus Christ for the very first time, Jesus was fasting and praying. Matthew 4 verse 3, the New King James Version. Now when the tempter came, say the tempter. When the tempter came to him, he said to you, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Say significance of spiritual food. But he answered and said, It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, feeding on the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now Jesus Christ is in the presence of the greatest enemy of God and humanity. What do you do in the presence of your enemies? Revelation 3 verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. And he with me. Say significance of spiritual food. Psalm 23 verse 5, the New King James Version. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So when the devil comes, you open the door for Jesus. He comes inside your heart, inside your life. You dine with him. You feed on his spiritual body. You drink of his spiritual blood. You have fellowship with the spirit of Jesus, and his spirit fills you up. You dine with him, and he dines with you. The choice is yours, family. Which spirit will you feed? The choice is yours on whom will you dine. Will you accept the food offered by devils that is pleasing to the eye, that is desirable? Because when you do that, you feed them. You empower them. Or will you reject it full of the bread of life, full of the living water, saying it is written? And make the sacrifices needed to sit at the table prepared for you. Now, family, Fort Wacker, I don't want you to lose where I'm going. We're going to a very important part. Tell your neighbor, wake up. Tell your neighbor, Wacker. Colossians 3, verse 17, the New King James Version. Whatever you do, in word or deed, what you say and you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Is lust, can we do lust in the name of Jesus? Can we swear in the name of Jesus? Can we have a dop 
in the name of Jesus? Hmm? Can we smoke a cigarette in Jesus' name? It's for you, Jesus. Every indulgence of lust, listen to me now, is a lust food offering. It is a form of worship to a demon of lust. And you are empowering it, and you are allowing it to hijack you just like Satan did in the, in the, in the, the Garden of Eden. Same principle. Every alcohol drink, every cigarette smoke, every drug taken is food offerings. It's a form of worship to a spirit of self-destruction and a spirit of addiction. Every indulgence in offense, unforgiveness, Rage, fear, anxiety, rejection, even sickness. Any other fleshy, ungodly, carnal emotions that dominates you, it's all food, offerings, and worship to these demon spirits, empowering them to work out their assignments in your life. You're giving them control. You are dining with them. They are dining with you. You are offering spiritual sacrifices. Do you understand that? Philippians 3 verse 9 to the New Living Translation. Then you're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. Never forget this, what I'm teaching you, family. Opening your eyes. Family, we're all going to be tempted. We all will be tempted. Jesus was tempted. But in order for you to stay out of deception, listen to me. Every one of you here, if you want to stay out of deception, if you want to stay out of death, you want to stay in peace, you have to make it a priority of feeding, nurturing, treasuring, protecting the Spirit of Christ in you so that Spirit can dwell, make a permanent home, can abide and start filling you up every day, every day because you leak you leak the things of the Spirit. And the more you do that, the more you start to empower the Spirit of Christ. The more you get strengthened in your inner man with mighty power. The more you have the ability to overcome this world. Amen. Family, I leave you with this. The Holy Spirit, I, I, listen, I don't care what you think. I don't care what doctrine you think you believe in. I just don't care. Just listen to sense, please. The Holy Spirit cannot settle down. He cannot abide. He cannot make his permanent home in a vessel that lives an unholy life. Like seriously. It's not okay to sin. 
Can I just say that? I see the proof in what I'm preaching. I see the results. Amen? Family, the most important thing, if you do not have the Spirit of God inside you, if you've not been born again, you can't even, you, you, you're dead. That's what the word said. You were once dead. If you haven't been born again, if the Spirit of God hasn't breathed life in your spirit, you, you're dead. You're spiritually dead. John 3, Nicodemus, who was a religious man, came to Jesus and he said, spoke to him and Jesus said, Nicodemus, telling you now assuredly and if Jesus says assuredly you listen he says unless you are born again you will not see the kingdom of heaven I don't care how many churches you've been to listen there's pastors in hell right now I've been to churches of unsaved people Nicodemus was unsaved but yet he was a priest are you saved? Are you born again? Nicodemus said, well, Jesus, what does this mean? I mean, born again? What, what, must I crawl up my mother's womb? Be born a second time? And Jesus said, no. For the second time, he said, Nicodemus, I'm telling you. Nicodemus, you cannot go to heaven unless you are born again. And Jesus explained, it's a rebirth of your spirit. How do we do that? Romans 10 we have the solution it says if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved you will be born again does it mean you're not going to fail absolutely you're going to fail you're going to mess up all the time what do you do? Straight away. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. I was a 15-year drug addict, okay? I was facing 30 years prison. I know grace. Don't tell me grace. Sin's not okay. I messed up a lot coming out of that. If I thought it was okay, I would be dead. It's not okay. But every time I messed up, I ran to my father. I said, Father, man, I've done it again. I don't want to do this. See, that's repentance. It's a broken heart, Lord. I, it's not just sorry because you got caught out. It's sorry because you know it's wrong. You don't want to do it. I don't want to follow my flesh, man. And I do, and it messed me up. But I knew, I knew it was wrong. Every time I just went to my daddy because everything's already paid for. As long as you live a life of repentance, everything's paid for. There's nothing you're going to do where like, oh, you know. You just need to go follow the spiritual laws and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I repent. I really am sorry. Just wash me, cleanse me, forgive me. And then he disarms those spiritual powers. He disarms the enemy at work. That's what it does. Do you understand that? The more you live in sin and less in repentance, the more you're giving place 
for the devil to work in your life. So you go before the Lord, you repent, say, Lord, I'm really sorry, forgive me, watch me, cleanse me, reset button. So I want you all to just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. The Bible says, Romans 8, verse 16, that the Holy Spirit himself will testify with your spirit. He will tell you, Jesus didn't die on a cross naked so that he could catch you out. He gave everything that he could. The greatest price he paid for you. He doesn't want to catch you out. He wants you to go to heaven. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the witness. He'll tell you in your heart if you're ready, if you're right with God. So I want to ask you this question. If you knew that you're going to die tonight, like really? You've got a doctor's reports you've got a brain aneurysm you've got eight hours to live tonight you close your eyes in this natural world and you go into eternity this world is just a curtain raiser for eternity are you ready are you ready are you ready are you ready to close your eyes breathe out your last breath release your spirit and is the lord going to say i know you If you have any feelings in your heart where you're unsure, you need to be born again. Jesus is knocking on the door. He's saying, open, let me come in, let us dine together. You might even be born again. You've already given your life to Jesus. You're serving him. But yet you still feel the presence of God saying, child, I'm speaking to you. And as obedient servants, we just obey. We don't question. So if any of you sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you on your heart, with nobody looking around, just you and God, I want to invite you to just, just raise your hand. Just say, Lord, don't be, don't be shy. Hands are going up everywhere. Thank you. The Lord sees those hands. Even people who've been serving the Lord with all their heart, hands going up. You're in good company, family. It's about you and Jesus. Listen, if Jesus could die naked on a cross for you, if he could have no shame to rescue you, the least you can do is raise your hand and say, Lord, I want you.